It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that cabbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 787 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, September the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and please make sure to follow the Locked On Raptors Twitter account as well, at Locked On Raptors, doing a little bit more engagement over there after four years of barely touching that account at all, except to post links because I'm very bad at social. Either way, please go check it out. Today's show is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at RockAuto.com. More on them a little bit later on. All right, in today's show, on today's show, in today's show, weird. Uh, on today's show, I uh, just meet today going through some news from yesterday. Pascal Siakam named second team All NBA. We're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into the snub of Kyle Lowry as well and why maybe Kyle was actually more deserving than Pascal Siakam or not maybe, I think definitely, but we'll get to that. Uh, also, Masai Ujiri addressed the media today. Lots of talk about his contract, his future, Nick Nurse 
versus Bobby Webster, social justice, and a whole bunch of other things from Masai Ujiri. It's nice to hear his voice. Always good to hear Masai talk. It's been a little bit of time since we last heard him address the media, and there was a lot today. Full disclosure, I'm recording while he's still talking. The press conference began at about 1.10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, and it's about 2.10 right now. And I, uh, first of all, the radio feed I was listening on had to cut out because a Blue Jays game was coming on. Uh, damn you sports net radio and i had to get the podcast recorded just because of time constraints so messiah as we speak is still finishing up talking i believe right now he's just wrapping up talking about og ananobi and his development this season and how impressive it was after a tough year last year for him and i'm going to dive deep into what messiah had to say and hopefully try to calm some nerves because he did not exactly uh offer words of commitment to toronto but also i think people are freaking the hell out for no reason and we'll get to that in segment number two and dive into more of that over the final two parts of the show but let's begin with pascal siakam being named to the all nba second team the wonderful honor for him and i mean look at the resume that pascal siakam has amassed so far in a very early stage of his career before even getting to his second contract he is a most improved player he's a g league finals mvp if you want to throw that in there as well he's an nba champion and now uh, he's an all-star starter and an NBA all-second team player. Really, really impressive stuff. He joins on the second team Kawhi Leonard along with Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, and Chris Paul. So pretty incredible company for Pascal. He finishes last in votes for second team all-NBA guys, but uh, narrowly, actually not so narrowly, beats out Jason Tatum by 15 total points. To make it onto the second team, Jason Tatum hits the, hits the third team with Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook. First team, of course, I think as expected, Giannis, LeBron, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic. And this is a wonderful honor for Pascal Siakam that I just think is so well-deserved considering the work he's put in, considering the growth in his game. And it's just, uh, you know, I think it serves as a reminder as well. Raptors fans, I think, are quite upset and down on the Pascal Siakam experience after the postseason, some to greater and more problematic degrees than others. And if you are one of those problematic people, again, don't listen to the podcast if you have more than just a criticism of Pascal Siakam's on-court basketball play. But even then, I think Pascal really... You know, the the work he put in this season before the shutdown where he averaged 23 and a half a game and nine boards or whatever it was and the shooting from above the break and the complete change of his shot profile to become a number one option. It's really cool that he gets honored with that honor of the honored with that honor. Good English, Sean, of being the number the uh, second team all NBA forward. That's just very, very damn cool. And for a guy who a couple years ago was a very fun, energetic bench player and who four years ago was maybe the worst starting player in the entire NBA. It's just remarkable the growth that he's experienced. And I again, it kind of speaks to if you look back over the whole grand scope of his career and don't just get bogged down in the bubble instances where he didn't look very good and looked kind of out of shape or not so much out of shape, just out of rhythm. I think if you look at the grand scheme of his career, the trajectory has been overwhelmingly positive. Maybe the few odd drawbacks here and there, but for the most part, he's been outstanding. And it's really silly, I think, to bet against him continuing that upward trajectory going into next season. So that's great. All of that having been said... I think the wrong Raptor got All-NBA 
recognition this season. Look, I think Pascal Siakam very much deserved to be in the conversation at the very least and probably on a team. You can quibble with, you know, the, the decision to put Siakam on over Chris Middleton. Frankly, I think Chris Middleton should have gone down as a guard and maybe you bump Ben Simmons or Russell Westbrook from the third team guard spots. I think that totally would have been justifiable. And in fact, Chris Middleton got more votes to be on an all-NBA team than Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook forward just a more difficult position this season. Also considering Jimmy Butler was considered a forward despite being kind of the de facto point guard for that team. Number one overarching takeaway from all of this is just get rid of positions on the LNBA teams. But outside of that, I think Kyle Lowry, for anyone who watched the team all season long and was fully invested in the ups and you know, mostly ups and some few downs of the Raptors this year. I think it was pretty unquestionable that Kyle Lowry was the best player and the driving force of the 50-plus win season for the Raptors. He was incredible. He His defense was outstanding. He had his finger on the pulse of the entire offense at all times. He regained a burst and scoring at the rim that he did not have for the last couple seasons. He completely adapted his role after being basically like a muted Steve Nash for the Raptors during the title season where he was just setting other guys up into being the go-to source of offensive creation for the Raptors. As much as Pascal scored more often, without Kyle, a lot of those opportunities don't come along. And without Kyle, the Raptors' offense looks like it did, I don't know, on the last possession of the Celtics series in Game 7. Kyle was essential to the Raptors this season. He was the best player on the team, the driving force, the the guy who drove winning the most. And I don't agree with him not being on an All-NBA team. And I know it's difficult. There are only 15 spots. There are a lot of good players in the NBA. But to me... Ben Simmons, like, obviously, all defense was totally warranted for him, but when your team is that dysfunctional, and you're a sixth seed, and a lot of the dysfunction is tied up in you refusing to shoot a three literally ever, that maybe disqualifies you for me from an all-NBA team. The all-NBA teams, to me, should tell the story of which teams were the most important in the league and which players drove those teams to importance, and... I think in a perfect world, both Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam are on these teams, and Chris Middleton's on this team. That, to me, is the change to make. You keep Siakam on second team if you want, you move Butler or Tatum up, whatever you want. I don't really care. It's not that something that you should get all that upset about. But when it comes to the guards, Russell Westbrook was good in the second half of the season and positively garbage for the first half of the season, forcing the Rockets to completely overhaul their roster in order to properly you know, suit themselves to have Russell Westbrook and his sort of chaotic maniacal energy on the floor and Ben Simmons was on a team that was the epitome of dysfunction this season I don't think Westbrook or Simmons deserve to be on the all-NBA teams and I think Kyle Lowry Chris Middleton should absolutely be there in those guard spots and if you want to have Siakam in there as well in order to make sure everyone's happy I think that is the actual indicative team that tells the story of the season I think you could put Bam out of bio over Rudy Gobert as well you know, I, again, I don't have a terribly strong opinion on that. Rudy Gobert is amazing, and Bam Adebayo is still very early on in his career and ascending. But just the the big snubs to me are Kyle Lowry and uh, and uh, whoever Chris Middleton. Brad, Bradley Beal actually finished with more votes than Kyle Lowry. Kyle, Kyle was second in terms of others receiving votes of, among guards. Bradley Beal, yes, scored a lot of points, but the Wizards were garbage and were not at all a part of the story of this season. So yeah, I think Kyle Lowry should have been on there. I don't think that's an insanely crazy Homer, uh, you know, opinion either. I think he was definitely deserving of being there. And if you had to pick one of the two, which again is not what we're doing here because they play different positions, I think Kyle definitely deserved the All-NBA nod ahead of Siakam. And I think this is like the third time now in Kyle's career where he's lost out on All-NBA while a teammate who, you know, again, it's not like a comparison 
thing. Both guys can be on there, but a t- teammate who was slightly less deserving ended up getting on. And then again, that's not to say Pascal Siakam wasn't one of the 15 best players in the league this year. He might have been. He might have been 16th best, whatever way you want to slice it, he's deserving. But Kyle, to me, was more deserving, and it's a shame that he's not on there. And when you look back, and I like, it's nice that the Hall of Fame discussion with him seems to have advanced to a point where he's going to get in regardless of the sort of accolades. But if this were a more fringe case, a more borderline case, there's no way that the All-NBA snubs and the lack of All-NBA appearances for him would be thrown against, like would not be thrown against him. Absolutely would be thrown against him. And that sucks because that's, it's just, you're kind of, you're asking people, media people, oftentimes you have good, great media people voting. Like Zach Lowe's ballots, always unassailable, fantastic. He puts in the work, Kevin Arnovitz, whoever, all the national people who you know and love and trust, they do the work. But when we're getting to like local broadcasters, there is no way the Charlotte Hornets local broadcasters are watching enough Raptors basketball to understand the holistic impact of a Kyle Lowry. And that's where the thing kind of falls apart. So I think all NBA, you know, <laughs> this doesn't, wasn't meant to turn into a fix-all NBA tangent. But yeah, get rid of positions and uh, maybe sort of refine the voting a little bit so you don't get such micro pockets of opinion and thought from people who don't watch the entire league or it, it just seems impossible for them to watch the entire league especially if they're media people and they're broadcasters and they're calling literally full games like three nights a week they're unable to watch games around the league just let Zach Lowe vote on everything maybe I don't know but that's uh that's besides the point Kyle Lowry should have been on. Pascal Siakam, well-earned, does get on. The big note with Pascal getting on is that his max contract now bumps up from 25 to 28% of the salary cap. Not a terribly huge thing, but does kind of play into the flexibility the Raptors will have to work with into 2021. Might play into the amount that they're able to give Fred Van Vliet very slightly on the margins and might make it so they have to juggle bottom of the roster money a little bit more uh, adeptly to get around that. But uh, that is the story for all NBA. And again, huge congratulations to Pascal Siakam. Me thinking Kyle Lowry should be there over him is not me saying Pascal Siakam is not entirely deserving because he definitely is. And it's a good reminder of how good that dude is and where he has come from, that he has gotten this selection. It's awesome. Uh, On the note of the 2021 offseason that I just mentioned, Masai Ujiri is someone whose contract comes up in that offseason. And we, in a second, are going to talk about Masai Ujiri and his press conference from today when he spoke to the media. But first, I want to tell people about rockauto.com, which you know by now is a great way to save a car dum-dum like me a lot of money. I've talked about them before. I will talk about them again. They are awesome. They're a family business serving online auto parts customers for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. 
All right, we continue on, and we're going to dive into Masai Ujiri in just a second. But first, a reminder to go check out this uh, this week's other podcast. Yesterday, TJ McBride from Mile High Sports was on, and we gave a crash course in how to be a Denver Nuggets fan. It was super fun. Lots of great uh, feedback to that one, so go and check that out if you have not yet. Later in the week as well, uh, myself, Sahal, and Vivek are going to be going through our over-unders from last year. That should be a lot of fun as well. I have no idea what we picked. I don't even know what the questions were. We're going to just uh, discover it on the fly. That'll be up on Friday. All right, let's get in now to Masai Ujiri's press conference. There's a couple sort of prongs I want to get to here. The first part in this segment will kind of just focus on his contract and his future and sort of the uh, rampant paranoia as it relates to his contract and his future. We'll get to that. And then I want to get into some of the other nuggets from his uh, his media availability. Again, a very long media availability, over an hour long. I believe it's wrapped up now as I speak at like 2.22 p.m., but he went far longer than expected. I think it was only supposed to be a half hour. So always love Masai. He likes to talk and we like it when he talks because he's the freaking best um and he got into you know guys like kyle and the free agency priorities as well as the social justice initiatives from down in the bubble and uh there was one particularly heinous question from a reporter which we'll address as well but first let's get to the contract stuff so uh, by now, there might be some video when you're listening to this that you can go watch. But basically, the crux of what Masai Ujiri said as it relates to his contract, he was asked a couple times about this, once by Doug Smith, once by Michael Grange. And he basically said, I'm not talking about it right now. And the big buzz quote that was floated about by reporters and Real GM and The Score and other places that profit in, uh, you know, very sexy quotes is that Masai Ujiri has not yet spoken about an extension with MLSE. It sounds very scary and boogeyman-y. I don't really understand the reaction of fear and panic and paranoia to that. We are four four days removed from the end of the season, five days, six, whatever the hell number of days it's been, less than a week removed from the end of the season. Since the end of the season, the Raptors have re-signed Nick Nurse to an extension. He is locked up for good. Uh, Masai also pointed to in the uh, in his media availability today when asked about Bobby Webster, it was actually reported or said on a radio interview by Brian Windhorst today that they actually worked out an extension with Bobby Webster back when the Bulls were sniffing around before they hired Arturis Karnasovas in the summer. That uh, I don't think is actually accurate as Masai Ujiri said that they're working on it and they're close with Bobby Webster. That is also very good news. Bobby Webster is very smart and a big part of what the Raptors do. He was obviously one of the catalysts of the Kawhi trade. Want to have Bobby Webster around, as we talked about on Monday's podcast with Blake, which you can still go and check out, the two-parter off-season primer that we did. So that's good. And Masai was also uh, quick to note that he is not really engaging in the conversation right now, A, because things are kind of raw after the loss last week, understandable, and B, he's put a priority on taking care of the guys in the front office, which is a very noble thing and makes a lot of sense. And he also was sure to say, we'll have the conversation when the time comes. The way it was framed when being discussed today was more along the lines of Masai and MLSC haven't spoken they don't speak they don't have each other's emails they don't have each other's no- numbers saved they actually don't even know Masai's never even met Larry Tannenbaum or anyone on the board of directors for MLSE there's actually no communication there whatsoever that's what it sounded like when people started freaking out when that quote was dropped Masai as is kind of always the case and a friend of the podcast Asad Alvi made this point on Twitter 
a lot of the time Maasai quotes will be pulled and there's like this grand sort of statement that seems to be having like, seems like it's been said but more often than not he just he likes to speak in sort of those grand terms and very quotable little quips but when he says it when he delivers it it doesn't sound ominous or anything like that it's just like he's talking and it really does just sound like they haven't quite gotten to the conversation just yet, which is totally fine. We're, again, a week removed from the end of last season. There is plenty of time in what could be an interminable offseason for the Raptors to figure this thing out. And Masai Ujiri's smart. This is a guy who understands the power of leverage and the power of making sure that he can milk everything he wants out of his bosses. And I would be shocked if he was just like, all right, yep, sign me up right now. Also, he was never ever on national television or on the radio or on a zoom call with the media ever going to say in response to the question what's your future look like oh it's great doug i'm going to sign right after this it's going to be awesome you, he was never going to say that he's not someone who's going to talk about this stuff publicly again leverage is a thing there you don't want to be revealing your hand or anything like that on the air and it just it doesn't add up that he would just be like looking for something else as i've sort of long contested and this could very much be the case. I don't know if Masai Ujiri's next job is going to come in basketball. I'd be pretty surprised, honestly, if it does, because he is, uh, I think, almost bigger than basketball at this point and can do far bigger things. I should rephrase. Maybe he's not... He might, it might be in basketball, but I don't think it'll be in running a team type of capacity. I think it'll be a running a league or, you know, working as like a global outreach type of person. Uh, maybe he goes into politics. I don't know. He has that sort of gravitas. He has that sort of clout and those connections. I wouldn't be surprised if he does something much bigger than running a team with his next job. There's also the fact that the jobs out there right now, as Brian Windhorst pointed out today on his radio hit, there's not exactly any jobs out there that are turning turning anyone's crank. There was the King's job, which Masai Ujiri is certainly not going to take uh, because it's far beneath what the Raptors' job is and far beneath, I'm sure, what he's getting paid to work for MLSC, an enormous uh, multinational conglomerate. And, you know, you get the Knicks, you've, they've got Leon Rose taken care of. The Lakers have their whole thing set up right now with Rob Palinka and whatnot. And I just, I really, really don't see any sort of path for Masai to you know get a step up in a new job right now there's just nothing out there all the jobs that would be improvements as it were are not available right now and even ones that would look like fun cool challenges like the Knicks not available right now and I really just think Masai is buying his time because a he's not worried about it and b because of leverage and so I just Raptors fans love to be paranoid they love to have an inferiority complex they love to think that their prized possessions which they're not your possessions they can do whatever the fuck they want but they have this sort of belief that at any moment's notice their their heroes might just dip and go away and you know sign up somewhere else and i just don't think that applies to Masai here there's also the point to be made that he was talking in his presser today about the plans for 2021 and beyond and sort of maintaining flexibility and keeping Fred Van Vliet around and taking care of his front office guys and looking ahead to the future like that's not really the rhetoric of a guy to me who has one foot out the door it's a matter of leverage. It's a matter of it's not that pressing just because we decide to talk about it because it's an easy thing to talk about in the wake of a playoff loss with one year left on the contract. Just because it's been brought into the media discourse doesn't mean it's something that Masai Ujiri has to be pressing and worried about right now. There's plenty of time. Talk to me when like a big job opens up and that like the, the, the rumor starts swirling that they'll be coming calling. There was also a report today 
from Mark Stein, who pointed out that there was a strong rumble, quote-unquote, inside the bubble that the Raptors are working on extensions for not only Nick Nurse, which they've already gotten done, but also Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri. I know Mark Stein was sort of one of the ones out there floating rumors about Masai and the Knicks earlier this season, but Mark Stein is pretty plugged in, and I would imagine if the rumble was in the bubble that... Masai is going to get taken care of by the Raptors I would assume that's going to happen at some point so probably calm down just a tiny little bit and with that I I think we can kind of leave it there I'm not that interested in talking about this because until it's more of an issue and Masai is making some like expression express intentions to move on I, I just I really don't see why Raptors fans should be paranoid and if they are working on Bobby Webster and getting him locked up and they have Nick Nurse brought in and extended to a long-term deal, the Raptors are going to be in a good position regardless of whether or not Masai is there or not. Obviously, you want Masai. He is everything. He is a wonderful figurehead for the organization. He's someone who's so easy to root for and support. You want to run through a wall when you hear him talk. There's no doubt about that. But if the Raptors can't hold on to Masai, Masai wants to go do something out and chase a different challenge, if you got Bobby Webster and, and Nick Nurse and you have Teresa Resch and you have their very, very deep, you know, complex network of good executives and upcoming coaches and everything, this is a franchise that if any franchise is set up to sustain the loss of its figurehead, it's probably this one because of everything that that figurehead is set up. So don't worry about Masai leaving because he's probably not going to at this point. Like the, the, the tea leaves to me don't read Masai foot out the door. Oh my God, paranoia hit the panic button. And even if he does, the Raptors are now in a situation where they can probably be a little bit self-sustaining, especially if this Bobby Webster thing, which again, Masai said is close, gets done in short order. So that's all I got on that. We're going to continue on in just a second and dive into some other notes from Masai Ujiri's press conference. But first, a reminder that there are other Toronto sports going on right now. The Toronto Maple Leafs are going into the offseason, a pretty big offseason. You can go listen to Locked on Leafs with Mike DiStefano anytime to get the latest on the Leafs. And the Blue Jays, while they keep losing like 19-3, to are uh, very much in the playoff race, probably going to be in the playoffs. AJ Andrews has you covered over there. So go listen to Locked On Blue Jays for the latest on the Jays. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, let's wrap this up with some final thoughts on the other elements of Masai Ujiri's very long press conference on Thursday afternoon. Uh, some things, some news and notes. I, I mean, he hit on Fred Van Vliet a little bit. He spoke about how Fred is a big, big priority for the team. Um, obviously, we've talked at length about the sort of parameters within which the Raptors are working. I'd also recommend going to check out uh, Blake Murphy's piece on Fred Van Vliet that came out, I believe, yesterday and sort of the needle that the Raptors are trying to thread here while also, uh, you know, trying to sign him and keep flexibility for 2021. Um, but it seems like, again, he's a priority. Obviously, they're going to say that. They're not going to say, no, we're going to ditch Fred where we have no business with signing him. That That's obviously not a thing you're going to hear in that press conference from Masai, but that's worth noting. Uh, he also spoke about Kyle Lowry calling him an absolute stud and says he wants 10 more years of him. Me too. I want 10 more years of Kyle Lowry as well. That would be awesome. He is uh, a treat and a wonder, and apparently they'll be working on something statue-wise for him as well. Not surprising. I mentioned off the top that he spoke a little bit about OG Ananobi, 
and sort of dove into the excitement that he had over his growth this season and his bounce back from a kind of a lost season considering all the personal uh, turmoil he had between 2018-19 as well as the injuries and the appendectomy. And it's uh, it's nice to see him on the upward rise and it's nice to see Masai Ujiri quite happy about it. And he was also asked about Pascal Siakam, and this kind of led into a conversation about much more important things. Um, he was asked about Pascal. He says he's got complete belief he's going to get better. You know, sometimes you need to get kicked in the butt in order to turn things turn these things around. He spoke about how pretty much the entire team, you know, from Kyle to Fred to the coaching staff, were in complete support of Pascal. And I, I really can't imagine a better infrastructure for a young guy to sort of recover from kind of getting kicked in the teeth a little bit you know, around, right? I, I mean, they just have a lot of dudes there who can help sort of shepherd Pascal through this time. Obviously, Kyle, after the season was over, spoke glowingly of Pascal and talked about how, you know, his own experience with struggling in the 2015 playoffs against the Wizards really kind of fueled him going forward. And I would imagine uh, there's a few guys you want more than Kyle Lowry to tell you how to get through playoff demons and figure things out on the road to becoming a more effective and, uh, as Masai Ujiri said, an absolute stud later down the line. The, the Pascal stuff also kind of veered into the social justice conversation because uh, Masai Ujiri, very clearly, there's no way he didn't see this, considering some people literally sent these petitions to him. Obviously, there was some uh, heinous, horribly, disgustingly racist things that were thrown around about Pascal Siakam after he was done, the source of which, who knows? But the uh, basically, Masai addressed that by saying, you know, obviously, you can critique a guy on the floor, as we've talked about here on this podcast, critique a guy for his play all you want, well within your rights, but when it goes to that degree, just get the hell out of here. And as he pointed out, racism is very much in Canada. As we've talked about on this podcast, as we've been talking about as society for months, Canada's not immune from this stuff. It's very real. It's very much taking place. And it's, you know, proven by the fact that a lot of the backlash to Pascal Siakam was coming from inside Raptors fandom. Those are not Raptors fans, obviously, people who are going to those extents. But still, it's uh, it's still obviously a rampant problem. And I'm glad Masai talked about it. He also spoke a lot about the bubble and sort of the work the league did inside the bubble to ensure that the messaging was getting across. And he said 100% it absolutely made a difference and they were doing good things down there and he's happy with what the players were doing. Called out Kyle Lowry by name, Jalen Brown, uh, a bunch of the other players who were really at the forefront of things down there. He spoke about it and also spoke about how the shutdown, the stoppage, the the player strike uh, before the second round started was, I think, a necessary stop considering just the the buildup of you know the being in the bubble the mental toll that the bubble was taking which he hit on uh, <laughs> saying quote unquote I saw fucking Brad Stevens in the elevator every day um, you know he, the, the mental toll of being in the bubble and sort of being around the people you're competing with and not seeing your families that compounded with the fact that you have police shootings going on outside of the bubble that they were not really able to do anything about tangibly other than just talk about them on camera and weren't able to go lead marches or be there in the flesh or anything like that that took place after George Floyd was killed. I think, you know, Masai made the point that there was a needed stoppage to kind of recalibrate, regroup, ensure that the bubble was doing what it was set out to do in terms of getting those messages across. And I thought Masai speaking on this stuff was beautifully eloquent and just exactly as you would expect. He also got into the the issue with the police officer in Oakland who assaulted him and the video came out and he said that he lost a bunch of sleep because of it because you second guess yourself and, you know, I should point out that Adam Silver was among the 
the people who second guessed or didn't at least full throw full support behind Masai Ujiri at the time when he talked about it. I think Masai's learned from this and he's going to be like get out of here with that um, you know and I'm glad Masai addressed that as well he didn't have to address that by any means it was certainly not uh, his obligation to dive into that but he did graciously because he's Masai and he takes these things head on and then a question came from Steve Simmons, who, you know what, I don't really give a shit if I'm calling out a different reporter on the podcast. I usually try to avoid doing that. But the question from Steve Simmons that followed a beautifully eloquent answer to, I believe, a question from Tim Bontemps from ESPN about the bubble and about the social justice basically amounted to when people go, but what about Chicago when they talk about police brutality and police killing black people? It's he asked something along the lines of since you've been here, Masai, violence in Toronto has gone up and their gun, gun violence is at an all time high. Don't you think the Raptors should be doing more to, uh, you know, address the problem that's going on in your own city? Just not at all the place for that question. And thankfully, Kayla Gray, who was on the call, uh, I, I the feed dropped out after this, so or before this took place, so I did not get to hear it. But from what I gleaned from uh, Twitter, sort of going through the updates, Kayla Gray basically called out that question after Masai answered it graciously and didn't call out Steve Simmons right away or anything like that because he's not an asshole. But he could totally have been an asshole there. I wouldn't even think he was an asshole because it was an asshole question that came from a Sun reporter and Steve Simmons and Kayla Gray got on there and you know basically pointed out why this is that's not the question to be asking right now this is not about you know pointing to where the problems are worse and you know looking inside your own house like this is about police brutality and systemic racism across the board and it just was a really really tone-deaf idiotic question from Steve Simmons and frankly I don't know if that dude should be credentialed it just it, you know again I know I usually try to not call out other people on the beat but just that kind of question speaks to the very clear lack of diversity and you know uh, intelligence within uh, you know NBA media especially when it comes to sort of old hat um, established media and newspapers and that kind of question just has no place there and that that is just that the, if you're asking a question like that I really don't understand how you can be covering the NBA, a league of predominantly black people with you know, and the Raptors, who are a team that led by a, a black man who is uh, constantly outspoken about this kind of thing. To not realize the tone deafness of that question is absurd. And I think Steve Simmons should be embarrassed. And it's a, it's a wonder Masai Ujiri didn't rip his head off more for what was just not at all the question to ask. Again, he what about Chicago'd Masai Ujiri on this press conference after Masai had spoken eloquently and already pointed out in the very same press conference when talking about Pascal Siakam that racism exists in Canada. He made reference to there being two pandemics, COVID-19 and racism and made sure to point out that it exists in Canada well before Steve Simmons's question, which again, completely missed the point and was just not at all relevant. So glad Kayla Gray was on the call. It is unconscionable, frankly, that Kayla Gray has to constantly be the person who's addressing these things in Toronto sports media. And she's carrying a, an unfair burden as someone who is working for one of the establishment media outlets and is really the only black voice who has the station to speak up on this kind of thing. And I commend her for, uh, you know, offering a rebuttal to Steve Simmons's question. And, uh, you know, she's invaluable. And it's, you know, get Simmons off the beat at this point. It's just, it's, a, it's not the question to 
to be asking there. It's not the time. It's not even a relevant question considering the context of everything going on. So that's all I got on that. Um, I usually try to avoid call out corner on here, but it just it could not go unspoken there. So uh, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's very much appreciated, of course. Uh, again, lots of stuff this week that you can check out. Yesterday, TJ McBride on the podcast was a lot of fun. Blake Murphy, Monday, Tuesday. Blake's always the best. Go listen to those. And then tomorrow, we're going to go through our over-unders with Vivek and Sahal. So that should be a blast in addition uh also my other podcast uh basketball is a new episode every thursday that'll be up today it was maybe our most fun episode so far in the 20 episodes we've done mostly because the clippers gave us an endless bounty of content to go through so highly recommend you check that out it's a lot of fun and uh we have a patreon page too patreon.com slash basketball with two h's you can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. If I haven't already said that, I feel like I might have already said that. Uh, at Lockdown Raptors on Twitter as well. And please make sure you're checking out all the other Lockdown Podcast Network shows. Lockdown Nuggets, Lockdown Lakers, Lockdown Heat, Lockdown Celtics with our pal John Corrales, of course. Those are going strong if you want the lowdown on the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And uh, that is all I got for you. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again on Friday with an over-under special edition of Lockdown Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.